0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh story in season three of Backport Stories with Chuck Stead. Uh, We're here again today with Scott Lewis, our maestro. He's the gentleman that has written all of the music that you hear at the beginning and at the end and in the middle of our podcast. And yours truly, Joe Serino. And Mr. Chuck Stead, of course, is our author and storyteller extraordinaire. So, Chuck, what are we going to talk about this week? the ketchup
1: eating contest.
0: Without any further ado, here's Chuck's Stead. My sister Terry
1: had a kind of built-in genius for creating situations. She was never directly responsible for the situations, but she usually had a hand in them. Stray cats would follow her home, and then she would adopt them. Tessie complained about this, and Terry would say, well, they just followed her. They just followed me, Mommy. Of course, carrying kitty treats in your back pocket encourages the cats. And Terry, who was in the middle of her grade school career at the time, liked boys, but would not encourage them with treats in her pocket. She told me that boys were sometimes necessary for a girl to play with, but were not to be taken seriously. I pointed out that I was a boy, too, and she told me that I was different. She said I had special powers. And asked her, what were those powers? And she told me that my powers were my three sisters. And it was true. They were each of them fierce, but in different ways. My oldest sister, Joan, was a fierce beauty. Even my older stead boy cousins, like Frankie and Guy and Denny, they'd act all kind of goofy around her. Her special power was to reduce boys to idiots. Then next came Muffin. Her power was her brain's. She seemed to know about everything, and she was bold about what she knew. She had no problem calling people out for all kinds of things. She was the first person I heard use the word racist when talking about our stead uncles. Terry, on the other hand, was entirely fearless. Uncle Mal said that fearless people were a combination of bravery and stupidity. I never thought of Terry as stupid, but I do think her fearlessness was not always the smartest thing. One time, when this girl at school called her out in the playground for a fight, Terry stuck her chin out and she said, Go ahead, hit me. The girl punched her and Terry fell to the ground. She scrambled back up and shouted, Go ahead, do that again. The girl did it again. Terry dropped to the ground again. She got up, a little phased, and said, You won't do that again. And this time she was right. The girl was feeling pretty bad about how everyone was looking at her. So, Terry more or less won the fight, only for a winner she was pretty beat up. Anyway, my mom, Tessie, said that Terry was always conjuring up the next thing. I didn't know what that meant until one day she observed, Terry did, that is, that I liked ketchup. At supper we had a big batch of AMP French fries, and I was plopping ketchup down onto my plate for my fries, a lot of it. Terry watched me devour the stringy little potatoes with globs of ketchup, and she said to me, "'You really like ketchup, don't you?' I shook my head eagerly, and then leaned over the plate and lapped up the remaining ketchup with my tongue. Tessie said, "'Chucky, don't eat like a dog.' I barked at her. But I could see that Terry was thinking about something. You could always tell when she was planning or scrutinizing. She would flatten her mouth and lower her eyebrows and look at you directly." She then told Tessie that over at the Hilburn School they were going to have a May Day ceremony and, uh, well, they were going to have games and contests and things like that. My mom, Tessie, who didn't care at all about games and contests at the Hilburn School, shrugged her shoulders and asked Terry why was she so interested. Terry then, sweetly, sweetly, she spoke with wide-eyed innocence. She said, well, I just thought that since... "'Chucky is still in kindergarten, uh, in Hillburn. "'He might want to join in with the May Day stuff. "'Oh, you know, if you don't want to take him, I can.' "'Tessie shook her head and said, "'Sure, but I don't think he cares one way or another about May Day.' "'Terry looked at me. "'You want to go to May Day?' "'I said. "'Will there be ketchup?' "'Oh, yes,' she said. "'There'll be plenty of ketchup.' "'So, on the given Sunday in May,' Terry hustled me over to a gathering of parents and kids on the Playground Tarmark back of the Hilburn School. And there were tables set up and games, none of which I could do at all well. I was terrible at games. There was a drop-the-clothes pin in the Coke bottle game. Now, even if you placed the clothes pin on the very mouth of the Coke bottle, it barely fit in. And then there was this other game. It involved tossing these little wooden rings onto the neck of the Coke bottles, and you had to stand a few feet away to do it, and the Coke bottles were all clustered together. I couldn't do this. And there was a pour cup of water into a Coke bottle from a few feet above it. I couldn't do that. Apparently, there was a large supply of Coke bottles in the village at the time. Now, Cindy, she was really good at the ring-toss one, and, and she could pour the water quite well into the bottle. And Jojo, he was insistent that the close pin in the bottle game, he would win. And he tried it, oh, for maybe a thousand times. And then he got it. He got it. He shrieked with delight. He danced around wildly until he banged into another boy and the two of them rolled down under the ground and started wrestling. And Miss Morrison had to go over and separate the two of them. Anyway, there was this fireman, and he announced it was time for the ketchup eating contest. I looked up at Terry. She smiled and said to me, That's right. This you can do. So, about a dozen kids gathered at an outdoor table where they put out paper plates and soup spoons. Miss Morrison told us we were to eat the ketchup that would be put on the plates and the first one to finish would win the contest. The fireman walked around the table, putting out a scoop of bright red ketchup on each plate. Miss Morrison said we should start when she blew the whistle and then looked down the table and saw my plate was empty. Chucky, where is your ketchup? It's in me can I have some more? The fireman came back to my plate. She told me to wait for the whistle this time. So this time I waited. And when she blew the whistle, I scooped up the blood red blob on my plate with three gulps. And when I looked up, everyone else was struggling to swallow their ketchup. Miss Morrison, well, she blew the whistle and she announced I had won. The prize was a toy rubber battleship. Now, I didn't really want a toy rubber battleship, but everyone insisted I take it. Uh, There was then a mustard-eating contest, but I, I didn't care for mustard. A week or so later, Terry and I took the rubber battleship down to the fountain pond, where we tied a string to it and sent it out into the water. It sunk. We pulled it back on the string and slowly returned it, and there was something dragging along on top of it that was, well, dead. We separated the battleship from the skeletal remains of some unknown creature and then walked back home with our unseaworthy battleship. Now, I have to tell you that as a child, I, well, I loved ketchup. But as an adult, I loathe ketchup. In fact, even the smell of ketchup brings on a sense of nausea. I, I don't know when this transition from ketchup lover to ketchup hater came about but it's very serious. In fact, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, any of the condiments do not interest me at all. Some years ago, when I was up at Terry's Cape Cod home visiting, we laughed about the ketchup eating contest from childhood, and only then did she admit that it was all her idea to begin with. She said, once I realized you loved ketchup, I planned the whole thing. Miss Morrison was looking for helpers with May Day, and I quite innocently suggested some games, including, oh yes, maybe a ketchup eating contest. But Terry, what did Miss Morrison think when she saw how well I ate it? Oh, she got wise to it. Of course she did. Later she told me I was really cheating, but she didn't mind it. Why not? Well, I think she felt you needed to win at something. You mean the whole thing was a setup for me to win? Yeah, yeah, but you didn't cheat. You loved ketchup. No one could eat ketchup like you. Well, Terry's gone now. But if she were here right now, and and I kind of think she is, I would thank her for believing in me so much that she was willing to cheat. Thank you, Terry.
0: Oh, man. Terry... Terry, oh, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a neat story. So she <laughs> she set it That's up. Ready to go, <laughs> Terry. Well, your sisters, one of whom happens to be here with us today, Joan, has stopped by and uh, always glad to see her. The three of you and Maureen Kylie. I remember thinking, you know, these are... You know, this is sort of like the beginning generation. I don't know why the guys like uh, Billy and Tom, Kylie and Maurice Kylie, that wasn't a big thing to me. But your sister who could ride a horse, incredible, and you know Muffin who was you know very outspoken and everything, and and I thought very brilliant you know and everything she was saying, and Terry was always so just so bursting with smiles and energy and everything. You know, they were like heroes in a way. You know,
1: you know it's funny you're saying this because I agree, and and I also think there was a kind of a a, a matrilineal sense in in our family. The, the 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 women were the celebs. Oh yeah, you know, from Grandma Kylie yep. especially yep. right on down. Yep. Yeah, the women were the celebs. With the Steads it was different. You know, they had a, they had a, a strong uh, patriarchal thing going, and but there was an exception, and that was Walt's family. Because in Walt's family, Tessie was the celeb. Tessie was the character. Tessie was the thing that made things happen. And Walt reacted to them, uh, but not overly reacted to them like,
0: like his brothers would do, you know.
1: It was it was interesting. It was very different. Yeah. Two two very different
0: dynamics there. Well Grandma Kylie was that way too. I mean if there was a problem. now, I never met Grandpa Kylie. You you probably did, Joan, but I, I never uh I have no memory of him at all because he he passed yeah, before I was oh, born. Yeah, me too. he was gone. Yeah. But Grandma Kylie, uh, she ran a tough roost, and if there was a problem in the family or whatever, she'd be on the scene, straightening it out, making it really clear the way things would be. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of transcended down. It's why I think her her daughters, you know, your mother, very much at the top of that list, were kind of the the pioneers I spoke about a couple of weeks ago where they they weren't the little housewives that wasn't the Kylie Way. they were formidable women T- and they Tessie, gave birth to formidable women.
1: T- Tessie said about about grandma one time to me talking about what it you know we're doing this thing what do you learn from your elders you know well, what do you get and the only time Tessie ever said what she learned I mean family you know values and all that stuff yeah but she said women carry the weight. You know, that says a lot because she's essentially saying men don't seem to, but women do because somebody's got to. You know, that's kind of what I read in that line. Women carry the weight. And she kind of
0: felt she got that from Grandma Kylie. Well, you know, like my dad and your dad, what do they do every day? They went to work. They went to my dad, went down to the store. Your father went to the paint shop and it, it was a very routine thing. This is what I do. This is what I have to do in order to bring home food and things like that. But the challenges in the family, the problems at school, the you know all of those things, you know, in, in all the, case, the stuff, the heavy lifting, really, yeah, of of raising children and everything, all being handled by the by the women. How was it in your family, Scott? Well, growing up, my
2: uh, my father,
0: when he was working, it was
2: very constant, very long days. But then there was a good month or so in the summer, early summer, and then uh, midwinter. And he was home, which was great because we really got to see him and be with him. My mom is a graphic artist. Oh. She was uh, working before I was born. And then when I was born, she stopped working all the way until I was in high school and my younger brother was in middle school. And then she went back to work. So for really the the early years and then... A little later on, we really were the nuclear family was was really together, and yet every both of the adults in the family were seen as equal, you know, workers in right. terms of that. But my my father, as an apprentice in the windows, he had to iron all of the different things, and that was translated to, to the house. My mom would do the washing, but he would do the ironing because he was just it's so just, much better at it because. Yeah.
0: So he did for a living. It's what sure. he it
2: was his job. That's And great. so I learned how to iron from from him and you know all the the different names of the parts of a shirt that nobody would probably <laughs> nobody <know>. even think <laughs> about. Yeah, there's the the yoke is the across the back of the shirt when there's a collar that has two pieces that's called double goods and you have to iron that differently because if you do it too hard on one side, you're creasing the other side. Wow! And, and so. that's
0: and he had, that's the way he prepared the clothing to put into the window, the, the window displays of the stores. Yes,
2: everything had to be ironed uh, and then Perfect. pinned,
0: and then he had to paint
2: the signs for each item for the the sale items had to have red ink, the regulars had to have black ink.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, it was really uh, it was an art. It was an art. Yes, yeah. but yeah, in the house we never had a distinction between. Uh, wage earner, or um, the housework.
0: It was everybody just doing whatever had to happen. Well, it wasn't easy, I guess, for the guys either, going to work every day. And, you know, my father was robbed a few times and all sorts of things at his store. And I'm sure that uh, Walt and the guys had their challenges too. But the women, as you say, matriarchal, you know, the strength was there all the time. You know, I could see it. And I do think it really did. It went down into the generations below. I want to talk a little bit more about Terry, because when you started to describe the way she flattened her mouth and lowered her brow, I could see her face. Yeah. When <laughs> you said that. She was very expressive, you know, visually expressive. She had a lot of animation in her.
1: When I was little, I didn't talk nearly as much as what I do now. And I would listen to Terry's voice, and I could know when... She was scrutinizing without even looking at her. I could either see it visually, or I could hear the tenor of her voice. I could hear it shift and change and go into these other places. And sure enough, if I looked at her, she was making that face. She was like thinking a thing through. Yeah, yeah. She she really expressed herself a lot, and don't you think that, Joni?
0: I was just looking for a photo of hers, but I stopped. No, um, I'll look again. Yeah, I lo- well. I just miss her, mm. that's all mm-hmm. I do too. She was special. she was a sweetheart a very a warm, wonderful person, and as is the case with all people who leave us too way too early, it's just a it's just a knot and a pain in your heart forever. You just always think what might have been what could have been you know, I think of my sister Rosie same way uh who we lost when she turned fifty four and the last six years were a real tough run mm-hmm. for her, and yet, despite that, these people somehow left enough of themselves with us that their memories are broad and whole and, and complete and and very powerful in my mind. You know, I remember Terry very well, and yet she wasn't with us as long. I, you know, Rosie, the same thing. My my brother Maurice's wife, Randy. Wonderful, wonderful woman, taken way too early by, unfortunately, by cancer. And I don't know whether it's that they know somehow that it's important to to leave their life and their meaning with us in a very powerful and pronounced way early, or if it just happens that way. But I don't feel like I missed anything. I just missed them.
1: Well, know? we we go through that business when we lose people. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You do know what you got because now that it's gone, you come to realize what you got, and you start to focus on it more. I of my three sisters, you know, uh, I was thinking about this. I probably saw more of Terry than anybody because I lived, you know, I was uh, close to her age. You know, she was four years older than me, and the others were each four another four year gap. So I I got more of Terry, and when we when she was a teenager, she went through some rough spells. She went through some dynamite rough spells and the interesting thing is she she was unabashedly transparent about it you know so you could you could see it and experience it and and that was fascinating in a way you know there's a big piece of learning when you're younger and you're seeing this happening before you going through these spells and losing her own friends at different times and seeing what came of them and how she coped with it or or didn't you know how she went through hard times and when she rejected coping with it and and that was it tells you a lot you know because eventually you do come through it to the other side and uh and it it does it does tell you a lot and makes you more appreciative
0: yeah no question about it and and also you learn from that too watching what they went through and how they dealt with it even those things like cancer that eventually overtook them their personhood throughout all of that well this is a very somber Way to wrap up this one, and I yes. thought, uh,
1: we'll add to this. When I was talking to Terry up in Cape Cod, and we were laughing about the story, she then said, and you hate ketchup now, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And she said, hmm, you know why that is? And I said, because I don't like it. And she said, because you ate so much of it when you were a kid, you ate your fill, and now you don't need any more. <laughs> <Right. laughs> exactly. I, said, oh,
0: I guess so. <laughs> so did you find a picture of her? I'm looking because you know what we're going to do? If we can find a picture of John uh, of uh, Terry, right. we're going to make that the picture for this episode. Oh, this that'd week. be good. That'd All be right, good. that'd be great. So everybody yeah. will get a chance to take a look at our Terry. Well, this is terrific, and uh, another very interesting story which brings out memories. And I think that's that's one of the powers of story. You know, the fact that it brings forth memories and brings people back to life again in a way which is what i love most about back porch stories and what you do and what you've done so uh looking forward to next week the mystery story the mystery story next all right, week, right. right. Well, well
1: maybe we'll get out of kindergarten and get back to a slightly older age by next week okay <laughs> all right that
0: works well thanks everybody for joining us this week we'll see you next week for another back porch story And now for a word from our favorite sponsor, the Montgomery Book Exchange. It's your hometown used bookstore located at 61A Clinton Street in the heart of the Montgomery, New York Business District. Folks, you're going to love the Book Exchange. This is a place where great books survive the test of time, where you can enjoy a book read by readers a generation before you. You might even find notes in the margins giving you an insight as to what mattered most to that previous reader. That's how the Montgomery Book Exchange turns a great book into a shared experience. And the Montgomery Book Exchange is known throughout the Hudson Valley and beyond for innovations like their 20 for $20 book stacks or their intimate author readings and signing experiences. How about their member-driven book club selections and book club talks? Their monthly Zoom and in-person book auctions? And Handmade Montgomery. This is a wonderful event featuring local artisans and hundreds of beautiful handmade crafts and keepsakes. And how about getting store credits in the form of book bucks? Bring your well-loved or gently used books in for a store credit. Now, it's closed on Mondays, but it's open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and on Sunday from 12 noon to 4 p.m. Want more information? Just go to MontgomeryBookExchange.com or call them at 845-764-1787. That's 845-764-1787. Now, there's one more thing. They even have a special location at Eight Factory Street dedicated to your young readers. They call it the children's chapter, and it features a reading garden where your children can discover the joy of reading in a wonderful and stimulating learning environment. Now, my kids are all 30-something now, but I have four beautiful grandchildren, Jimmy, Sienna, Stella, and JJ, and I'm bringing all four of them down to the children's chapter. Also at this location, you'll find Miss Claire's Music Cupboard, featuring the award-winning, research-based kinder music program. The Children's Chapter is open Wednesdays through Saturdays. Check the website for specific class times that match your child's age. You can contact the Children's Chapter at 845-522-9652. MontgomeryBookExchange.com, your hometown used bookstore. You're going to love this place. listening to Backport Stories with Chuck Stead. The song that you hear at the beginning and the end of the episode is Flyers Rag, composed by Mr. Scott Lewis. Our producer is Joe Serino, and our cover photography is done by Karen Serino. We'll be back with another episode each Friday morning, so please subscribe, click the like button, share with family and friends, and join us each week for another Backport story.